I was a little off there. Doesn't matter, man. We're, we're, it's all good. It'll work. Uh, welcome to the Ain't Shit Show. I'm so excited because we were just talking about this. Uh, it's your boy. It's your boy. He's here. What's your up, everybody? Here, right? It's your boy. <laughs> Dude, I, oh, my Paul God. Paul Giamatti. You know, <laughs> and the Giamatti's. That's such a throwback. We have so, like, all of our new listeners will never go back that far to the Paul Giamatti episode. <laughs> I'm really out of touch with the new Ancient Show. I'm still stuck on, like, 1979 Ancient Show vintage type <laughs> so, shit. Yeah, yeah, the vintage shit when everyone had Bush, and it was <laughs> and it was good. Uh, you can hear the Bush no, scratching I, against yeah. the microphone. The, the, the old, oh, wait, hold on. This is a relic. I'm going to... I'm going to sell this off when the ancient show blows up, but this was the phone that I used to record all the first episodes. It's a very shitty Samsung, like a Galaxy S5 or something like that. Wow. And I, I used that to record all the early episodes. So you just like set that we on table or something and have everybody talk set around it? Set it up on a table and just have everyone talk because we're all loud motherfuckers, and that was pretty much... The, the whole genesis of the podcast, which is very embarrassing to talk about now, but it started when a friend of mine that I was working with, some random, like left-wing kid that eventually ended up like jumping ship completely and becoming a Nick Fuentes type guy uh, <laughs> which is very funny but he was like hey have you heard this podcast called Chapo and up until that point podcasts to me were something that like like dads who were way into fishing in fact the last time I had any experience with a podcast prior to like 2018 2017 was uh, fucking I blew a guy <laughs> and he was listening to a podcast, and it was a very bizarre experience to me, for me as that was going on. Anyway, what podcast of that, was it? I think it was like some NPR one. It was, some very, <laughs> it was it This was American some very Life. Bizarre. It wasn't This American Life, but that would have been hilarious. No, it was. It has like one of those like, what is it? Like the Think Labs? You know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah. We're like yeah, like yeah, some radio lab shit or something. Yeah, yes, radio lab. That's what it was. Some radio. It's like lab some shit weird audio collage is going on. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like, <laughs> bing, bong, yeah, it's exactly You're that, right? So, WKXP. <laughs> this is S-U-C-K. <laughs> Download our SDK <laughs> API. <Yeah>. Dude, <laughs> you're too good at that, man. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, so, anyways, I had no idea what a podcast was. I listened to Chapo. It was cool, but I thought to myself, man, I could probably do better. I could probably do this better. Right. And I was like, and I could probably do it better because I don't know what politics are. And I think that's pretty funny. Right. And so then I got from there, I started like, I got a bunch of friends together and about 20 different iterations of the ancient show exist or existed. I don't know if they're still out there, but they existed where like it was just different versions, but it wasn't called the ancient show. There was like one called like fucking what the fuck is politics. There was a few like there's a bunch of like different random trial and error ones we i did a sports podcast where it was me and three other dudes who were way into sports and i have no idea what sports are and so we tried to talk they, like as the host i would try and talk about sports without knowing what the fuck any of it was <laughs> and it was a very it was it sounds like a funny idea but it literally could have only ran for like two episodes before it imploded which is what happened so then finally i realized uh when i got my friend uh when i met my friend ruben the the other pod, the other co-host. Um, yeah, the guy with the soundboard. 
Yeah, <laughs> on his phone. It's a soundboard that he downloaded. It's an MLG soundboard on his phone that he would play into the phone, which is why it sounded like shit and was so funny. My favorite episode, by the way, is the one... The, my favorite really early episode is Babyland. That's probably, like, my favorite episode that I've done. But the second one is the one where I gave up at the, like, in the last 15 minutes of the pod. I just straight up gave up because I was tired of... Literally, it used to be me and... and uh, Ruben and this girl named Ileana and we would do the podcast together and there was great chemistry between me and Ileana because she hated me rightfully so by the way <laughs> and that's a good mix for a podcast is when you have two guys who are friends and one girl who hates everyone right which is why like when we return back to like Ivy jumping on board it's it's cool because Ivy Ivy loves us but she hates us like, it's <laughs> I know, like, it's, it's she tolerates us, right? And that's, I think, is why, why the pod is working again. It's back to working again. But, yeah, man, go away from the podcast. You, you're, like, my most, you're the most interesting poster in the in the group chat. We're in a poster's group chat together, and you're definitely one of the, most, like, more interesting guys. That's so funny because I just want to come on to your podcast and ask you how your how your podcast works from the old episodes. I'm like, so enough about me, the guest. Tell me more about your your whole process here. It's very interesting. So you used a phone, huh? You put it in the desk. So there was good chemistry when there's when there's a little bit of uh, what do you call it? Uh, some some conflict. Hatred. You got to have some conflict on the on the show. It keeps the energy well, up. I have an interesting I have an interesting approach to conflict because I like it. I think that tension and like. I think that being homies with people that don't necessarily like you is more important than people like be surrounding yourself with sycophants. And I, I like to be, in, I love to be the center of attention, but I value people not liking me more than I value people liking me, right? Because I think there's more to be learned from that approach. I, um, I think a lot of like, one of the interesting things about Ileana and like she had very like liberal viewpoints and perspectives on things that I couldn't really like agree with 100% on however she one day out of the like we were talking about something and she brought up the word the R word right something that I used to use pretty prolifically in the early pod and she brought it up and said like when you say shit like that it like it doesn't just affect it's not just you like saying something to say it, it like hurts people she goes it hurts me personally like it affects me like and I don't like it and she goes, and I don't care if you like are saying it for like a political reason, but you're not. You're, when, every, when it comes out of your mouth, you just sound like an asshole. And then like, when she said that to me, it changed the way that I thought about that word. And in fact, like a lot of the shit that I would like, because I'm, I'm a comedian, I would like to say more provocative shit. But then she made me think about the idea of like, am I being provocative for the sake of like a joke? Or am I just being an asshole? Right? And... Like now, I have I have that in my in my mind when I think about jokes, and I still push the limit on jokes that I say, but I I tend to like try and stay away from the tropes of you know just coming out and saying fucked up shit. Yeah, you right. well, you don't want to be too lazy about it or something, maybe. Yeah, you don't want to be an asshole. Like sure. ultimately, like you can you can be funny and you can be a dickhead and then poke fun at something, and you could punch down, you could punch up, you could punch wherever the fuck you want to punch. <laughs> but if someone calls you an asshole, you can't be offended by that. You know what I mean? You can't be like, well, I'm not an asshole. Well, like, no, you're talking like an asshole, so. Yeah. You know, so. Do you like uh, the, kid, admit, the kids in the hall? Do you ever, do you fuck I, with the kids I love, in the hall? I, yeah, when I was, uh, it's funny you bring that up, because when I was a kid, my dad showed me the kids in the hall. And he showed me the, um, I forgot what skit it was, but it was the one, it was the one where they're like, 
were their police officers. Oh, yeah, they're like the two incompetent cop guys or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes to bust the guy, and he's like, here, hold this. And he he hands him his own handcuffs. And then he's like, wait, hold on, here's the keys. And he, like, gives him the keys. He's like, hold on, hold on. He's, like, trying to unload the car or something. I don't remember, but it was a very funny bit. But, yeah, I remember the the guy. Yeah. I love the kids in the hall. They haven't. They have. Um, they brought them back on Amazon Prime now. They're like. They're like hella old and the, the like. The original series ends with them like on the last episode. They're all like getting buried in a big grave together, like the five of them. Mm-hmm. And then in the and then the episode starts like the new version of it starts and they're like exhuming them out of the grave and they're all like really <laughs> old now and they're just like what happened to us you know, and and it's pretty good. Like I watched it and I I, I enjoyed it a lot. And then I was kind of looking into some. Uh, kind of ancillary stuff around it, I guess, like looking into the guys that, and for some reason I got into this, what are they, you know, watching interviews with them and stuff. And, and I guess in the last couple of years, I've noticed one of the guys like Dave Foley and Scott Thompson, they were both kind of saying stuff in these interviews where they're like, well, yeah, it's like, you just can't, no, it was like some Canadian TV show guy was asking them, like, could you get away with some of those sketches that you guys did in the nineties? Like there's this one where Scott Thompson does like his, buddy Hackett like queen character you know like gay club owner guy who's like and he does this like you know goes on this kind of rant about where he says all these sort of racial slurs or something I, mean, I don't even exactly know the, the exact sketch they're talking about but I can just imagine it and uh, and they were saying could you get away with that anymore or would you do that anymore and and some of them were saying like like Scott Thompson and Dave Foley were both kind of like yeah it's the climate these days like you can't really just say anything anymore and they were sort of like, like, like kind of upset about it. You know, they were like mad about mm-hmm. it or something, which is kind of, it's sort of like heartbreaking when you're, when you're like, yeah, I love these guys. They're so great. And then some of them are kind of like, they're on some, well, as a white man, you can't really say exactly whatever you want to yeah. say anymore. But then some of the other guys, like the Bruce McCullen guy, the short dude, he was like, well, we never had to think about it before. Back then we just did whatever we wanted to, you know? And then he's like, mm-hmm. but now you actually do think about the impact that you're having and maybe you have to think about it a little bit more now, but I think that's great. You know, and it is, it was just yeah. like really sweet about Cat, it. Cat Williams had the fucking greatest comeback of all time when they asked him about, you know, the Jerry Seinfeld and uh, Dave Chappelle, like the whole situation with the, the trans women jokes and, and all the shit. And there's an interview with Cat Williams and of all the fucking people to to spit fire, you wouldn't expect Cat Williams to be like, yo, back in the day, they didn't have seatbelts in cars and motherfuckers died nonstop. And he goes, back in the day, we didn't have safety parameters for a lot of the things that we take for granted for now. And he goes, if you can't adjust your craft to fit the new safety parameters to make it more accessible for everyone, then you aren't as good at the craft as you thought you were. Wow. And he goes, right, that's fucking, that is Yo, <laughs> I remember. I heard, that's why he's. I heard you talking yeah, about that. I was like, oh, I gotta check that out because uh, that sounds. Because yeah, you don't expect it coming from him. That's so. Yeah, you don't expect that shit from Cat Williams. But I, I've, I've contended for a hot minute because Cat, like personally, Cat Williams is my like top five fucking greatest comedians of all time. Like he, and it's not even his jokes don't even necessarily merit why he's top five for me, right? It's his stage presence. It's incredible. This motherfucker goes on stage to giant fucking arenas of, like, people just, like, massive. He gets on stage. Not only is he 100% comfortable, he fucking controls that crowd. 
right? There's no such thing as a heckler at a fucking Cat Williams show. They just don't exist. And not even because hecklers don't exist. It's just because they the respect, the amount of respect that he that he commands from the fucking crowd is incredible, right? Like, I went to a Cat Williams show in Oakland, like, fucking a long-ass time ago. Like, maybe, like, almost five years ago. And it was one of the most incredible experiences of my fucking life, right? <laughs> like, get it, just getting there, sitting down, him coming up on stage, the presence this motherfucker had, like, I felt it. I... Have never la- I couldn't even tell you one single joke he said because I was laughing too hard from <laughs> from the beginning to the end. I literally thought I was gonna have to like. I thought for a minute I was like I need a medic because I can't breathe. Like I can't. I'm, there's something wrong, right? Like there's something medically wrong here. <laughs> I have not stopped laughing since I entered the building. What the fuck is going on? And yeah, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of great comedians. I think that you wouldn't expect to be as good as they are. But for me, like comedy has never really been about jokes it's more about presence interesting interesting right i i I think a great comedian has presence more though more so than like actual like is there like a like a charisma element to that or absolutely absolutely it's uh it's the stavros halkius like way like comedy guide he's he's a funny motherfucker but he's he's also got a very he's very charismatic and he's got a presence in the way he carries himself if you watch clips of his of his uh live performances the motherfucker has a swagger about him that very few people have or could ever attain, right? It's, it's a naturalness to it, like, a, a, to the form. And I think, you know, not to get too in the weeds on that, but, like, I, I feel like he probably developed that skill, that kind of charisma to, like, cope with, you know, like, his own personal, you know, shit. Which mm-hmm. I think is what the difference between a good comedian and a fucking great comedian is that a good comedian can take a tragedy and make a joke out of it but a great comedian can take a tragedy and make it work for him you know what i'm saying like they can make it make it part of the brand and make it part of the experience <laughs> of listening to them you know what i'm saying like that's that's a good comedian i like listening to your show uh which is i guess ostensibly a comedy podcast <laughs> and then which is really funny because like when you guys when you get people on and you're all like making each other laugh and it's just like half of the time is just you guys just laughing at each other which is, yeah. but then it'll go off into like some kind of like, then you'll just start discussing some like really fucked up traumatic thing that <laughs> happened to you or whatever. And then you'll just be like giggling through it the whole time. Like it'll get like super serious and then you'll yeah. come kind of like extract this really heady piece of like wisdom about how people, you know, can, how some kind of brotherhood of mankind shit can get together, some homie shit, you know? And, yeah, yeah. and then it, so it's, it takes these really, you know, kind of wild veering path sometimes but i i because i don't really like i guess i'm not really like a big comedy uh i'm not i'm not the comedy appreciator who has logged on you know i'm just like yeah it's yeah. not like my first thing i i really respect like the the craft of the the idea of it because it seems terrifying to me like people who get on stage and stuff like i used to do little kind of like um like poetry slams and stuff like back in the day so i was kind of i would see like the open mic people like i would go to the same open mics where there'd be like you were talking about on some show i was just listening to like where you, you know you have musicians and you'd also have uh comedians and sometimes and so i would be at places like that and i would do poetry and people would like when there's like a variety of performers yeah. you know but you watch like comedians just like die and you're just like wow like this is this is really intense you know and it's like the best I- laughter that they get is when they're just like this is going really badly, isn't it? You know, they're just like, I'm dying up here, aren't I? And then everyone starts laughing, you know? Whoa. Yeah, no, I was a, I was a comedian for, like, I did stand-up comedy for, like, a year, and I literally, for, 
I did it every night for one whole year, five nights a week, at this little tiny fucking shitty open mic next to an actual real life comedy club that I never got invited to because I was bad at comedy. Because the way that I tell a joke is the exact same way that I tell a story where I just fucking veer off into like, you know what I mean? So I'll start off with like two guys walking to a bar. That's the meaning of life, actually, right? <laughs> like, and then go, like, so people are confused. What I was really doing for years was I was scaring the hoes, right? Like, if I, <laughs> right? I was just on stage every night, and then I realized that comedy is not my calling because I can't tell you a joke in five minutes. I can tell you a great story in five minutes, but I couldn't tell you a joke in five minutes. That that story might have some laughs in it, but it's not a joke, right? And there's no like. I can't construct a joke. I've never been able to really, like, put one together. But I'm able to, like, tell you about something that happened in my life, that's something that's horrible and horrific and should never happen to anyone, and be able to make you laugh about it. And I think that that doesn't really translate well into, like, a comedy, like a, a vector for, like, stand-up. So I, I, like you, I did poetry, and I did everything else besides that stuff to alleviate kind of, like, the initial fear that I had of crowds of people like knowing who I am and like, and I think that was really helpful because when I started the podcast, I have no, there was really very little boundary. There still is like very little boundary of the things that I'm willing to talk about and, and offer an opinion of, especially like, you know, getting back to what you said earlier about my approach to like, you know, academia and like philosophy and stuff. Essentially, like, I don't know what you're talking about and I refuse to know what you're talking about. This is the way that it looks like to me from the outside. Right. And I don't, I don't care what you, you know, I don't care about corrective action because to me, it's the intention of how I understand it, if that makes any sense. No, I, I think that does make a lot of sense to me because I don't really, uh, like I'm, I'm not like a good, uh, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not like a, like a good Marxist or whatever. Like I haven't read all the books that people are supposed to read when you get into the, that kind of thing, but I just like. Like, you know, people would just turn me on to something and they're like, hey, you, you're into like weird stuff. Why don't, you know, like someone would just hand you like yeah, some yeah. weird book or whatever. Someone would hand you like a Foucault book or something or like uh, somebody hand me a copy of like uh, uh, Simulation and Simulacrum or whatever, like Baudrillard mm -hmm. or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. you know, like and I would just be like, this stuff is like so poetic, you know, it's like it does. I, I feel like it's like. It's this guy's. Is this guy even trying to make sense? Like I don't. It doesn't really matter, you know. It's just he's just like he's just kind of, you know, going off on these really poetic kind of rants, and uh, and I could really just like vibe with that, and and you can still like apply it to the way that you see things, or mm -hmm. you can use those as sort of these lenses to think through, you know, and and it's and it's very gratifying, and that you're you're not necessarily you're so you're not like in the academic you know space doing the academic thing, but um you can still get something out of that. And then I've seen people talk about that. Like I'm specifically thinking about, there's this, uh, I read this, like, you know, Mackenzie Wark article where she was talking about, um, like appropriating, uh, like there's like a low, low end kind of appropriation of high theory. And it's, it's basically what you're saying, like talking about being an outsider and, and, you know, borrowing these concepts from, academia and then applying them you know to make you know basically twisting them into whatever you however you want to use them for your own purposes which is kind of funny because in the whole like in the whole career of like uh i don't know social sciences or political philosophy and stuff it's like a lot of these i feel like a lot of the academic 
research comes out of people looking at like, well, how are like poor people living or how are, what are the problems of, you know, what are the insights that we can gain from like the struggle that people have who are oppressed or whatever. And so you're basically just taking these insights from these people and, you know, kind of turning it into like this jargon that's inaccessible to them, you know, and so, so yeah. that you can boost your own career. But then, you know, so then They're just take, the take it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, essentially. And no, then I take that and, you know, outsiders yeah. can come and, and appropriate that and do what they whatever they will with it. So I, I really that's kind of like the approach to philosophy that, that I've that I've appreciated. And I, and I kind of see that in what you do. I feel like you're doing something like that a lot too um so so i would just want to come on your show and be like yeah i'm just like you in this way that's so great let's be friends in public he's just like, he's just like me for he's real just like me for real yeah. <laughs> it's your boy oh no, man what's up it's your boy <laughs> that fucking rocks no dude you understand know man i i love that that's a that's high praise because i i have i read i just like what did i i've said this before uh, the gayest thing that I do on a regular basis, like literally the most homosexual man-on-man action thing that I do on a regular basis is fucking appreciate and enjoy art and philosophy. <laughs> it is an incredibly, like even going back to the roots of fucking, of philosophy, it's completely 100% homosexual. Anyone telling you differently than that is also gay. There's no way, there's yeah. no way around it. I'm sorry, it's a gay interest, right? Um, but I fucking am, like have taken a lot of time, like reading fucking reading all of the classics, reading all of the the contextual things that I would need to know. Like I read Marx, I read all that stuff. Did I get any of it? About a handful of it. I got some. I got what I needed out of it. Do you know what I'm saying? And I think that one of the things that's infuriating to me is that I read that stuff for two reasons. One, I read it out of spite. I read it because I got sick and tired of motherfuckers saying, well, what do you know you didn't read the one thing that I read that makes me know more than you? The other thing, the other reason why is because I have a genuine interest in learning things to make a joke, to make you laugh about it, right? Uh, I've, I've read, I've, I've said this before, but I've read every single thing that Slavoj Zizek has ever made. Damn. Not because I'm, not because I'm fucking interested in his work, <laughs> Or, or ha- could even tell you really what he's just like Lacan part two is essentially what he does. Anyways, he, <laughs> like his work is whatever to me, but I read it all. So that way, because I was prolific, I was a prolific shit poster on the Slavoj Zizek dank meme stash Facebook page. And I just wanted to know all the memes. I just wanted to be up on game. So when I, so when someone would point to like make a meme, I would be like, all right, yeah, I get it. Pretty funny, man. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that kind of drive for knowledge is a crazy person drive. For, that's how crazy people learn. You were right. You were radicalized people, by, yeah, dank by meme, humor. Dank meme stash. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was. I like the real Jokerification of, of like that most people think of when they think of the Joker. They think of like a comedian going bad and being serious, right? But, like, I'm the opposite of that, where I was, like, a bad motherfucker in high school and middle school, like, fucking beating people up and stealing pe- things. and Getting run people. out of town. Yeah, <laughs> getting beat up by an entire school, right? Like, shit, like, doing stupid shit like that to, like, learning how to make jokes, right? Yeah. <laughs> to becoming the clown so that way no one can remember the old me, <laughs> the, the, the shithead me, right? So I can make up for that. Like, 
that is the joke. That's the proper way to get Jokerified. And then like you got reverse reverse Jokerified. Yeah, I got reverse. I'm happy pilled now. I'm actually. <laughs> oh my god. No, I think the way that I approach learning is legitimately through humor. Like if if I don't understand the context of a joke, I find myself more motivated to learn about the context to better understand the joke. Right? Like that is a way more opportune in fact like i'm teaching i'm reteaching myself spanish right now purely just because ruben's been telling me jokes in spanish mm-hmm. and i just don't get him so i'm, <laughs> I'm from that i'm it's reignited my learning like my because i speak a little bit of spanish i don't speak enough but i speak a little bit and so now i have to relearn it so i can tell jokes to him and then say <laughs> but i don't know i think something that you like most people never really properly identify, but I think you did and you've done it in the group chat a few times, uh, is that I'm a man of like, of like very, of many passions. And that's really like how I continue to do things, right? Like it's my approach to everything is purely through like my own personal passions. Like I don't approach things in in the, like to, I don't approach things to like succeed in a way that makes sense to most people it's purely like emotional <laughs> it's 100 percent like emotional fulfillment more so than anything else and i think that like dudes aren't comfortable with that like mm-hmm. for, like pe- most people aren't even com- like most people aren't comfortable with that let alone dudes they're not they're not when you tell people like oh why did you why did you teach yourself how to do all these things and i tell them oh, i felt it in my balls like i felt like a, <laughs> i felt like a heaviness in my stomach and I needed a, it's like a deep morning to do this thing you know like what the fuck man <laughs> but yeah that's I don't know man. it's 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 wild to have a fan on the show because I'm so used to <laughs> not having people that people every time I'm like yeah I have a podcast you're like yeah I'm not gonna listen to it like, alright man more, <laughs> that's, that's on you pal <laughs> I I came on as a uh, we have a para, I have a parasocial relationship with the show and I came on to be to to join the to, to be a part of it, I don't know what to do with myself now that I'm like <laughs> now that you, you've accomplished your dreams. It's <laughs> yeah, I can just no man, you rap, dude, and you're you've inspired yeah, that was another me to thing. The... Yeah, another yeah. another point of commonality that I saw in you because I I don't know where it was is yeah I kept listening to your old show and feeling like I'm getting to know you better. There's the parasocial thing coming out. I'm like I'm really yeah, yeah. we're so alike, you know. He's just like me for real. Uh, he's because you were you were just talking about you were saying with somebody that you you had a friend on and you were like we met at the cipher and da 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 and I was like yeah, yeah you, you rap yeah. dude yeah that's great. So I was like oh man I gotta send you some you know I was like I gotta send you some. Uh, I gotta record a freestyle or something and send it to you, and then you start. You're like, you've awakened the demon in me. Now I must produce yeah, yeah. music. I must, I must <laughs> yeah, crank out mixtapes every every week. Pro yeah, SoundCloud I almost, account. <laughs> I, I really almost did crank out the entire like. I'm still working on it, by the way. The um, the executive suite, which is just <laughs> oh, all yeah. it is, is just CEOs that I'm beefing with, like just rap beef with CEOs, right? <sighs> so good. <laughs> Tim Apple has a. He has forty eight hours to respond. He still hasn't responded. <laughs> or oh, he he seeds the the match. Yeah, yeah. He defaults defaults loses. Yeah, man, I have jury duty in like a couple of weeks. I gotta go to jury duty. 
That's crazy, man. Wait, do you know what the uh, do you know what the crime is at all, or no, not yet? Not yet, no. I I'm just oh, okay. it's part of like I just got to go in for to see. I don't know if they're gonna. I don't know really. I should like research this stuff more or something. But they're gonna do the jury selection, I guess. And so I have to sit in and maybe they'll ask me a question. They'll be like, "So what what do you do for work? What are your political beliefs?" Like, have you ever in 20- got into a fight with a cop or something? You know, I'm just, <laughs> I'll be like, I will. Yeah. I will unconvict anyone that you bring into this place. <laughs> jury nullification yeah. is my middle name. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm waving my doing peace signs. Jury nullification, yeah. 2022. They're not going to let me back. But I, I'm scared because I, I've heard that they're like they'll. I don't know. They're going to find some way to punish me if I if I speak out of turn or something. You know. So I'm I'm kind of yeah. You can going to go there and play it really straight and be like I secretly will nullify this jury no matter what happens if they pay me. <laughs> I um, part. I I told. I think I had so I've never registered to vote until fucking 2016 because mm. I fell for the Bernie Sanders meme and <laughs> you got radicalized really by a dank bo- meme I, stash I, I got, again. <laughs> yeah, fucking no. I just like I had faith and I don't know why. Like my hatred was pure. You know, like pre 2016, I had never voted. I refused to vote because everyone asked me, "Oh, when you don't vote, you you're just..." Vote. And I'm like, "Shut up, dude. I know I know how voter suppression works." And I know that like the two-party system is actually not bad. I've read Michael Parenti. I read it before the Chapo guys even started talking to you guys about fucking politics. I know what this shit is. I know that what the game is. I know how it runs. I've been fucking radicalized since 2005, right? Like fucking when they were doing the fucking uh, the HR 114 reform. And just like if you got caught, if your visa expired and you were Mexican, they just threw you in fucking jail. Like that's... You just went to jail, and then when you got out of jail, they deported your ass, and then you couldn't come over legally anymore. And that was, like, a fucking law that they passed in 2005. I was there. I, I did all that shit. I did the marching. I did. The, I tried to do the fucking proletariat, communist approach. And the more I got involved in that whole situation with those people, the more I realized it's just a way to trick poor people into paying people who don't work for a living to represent them. Mm. Right? Like... It, it's a it's a Ponzi scheme. I, I recognized it very quickly because I was like, hey, uh, none of you motherfuckers work like these motherfuckers who are paying dues. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, what's going on? What, why, why are we paying dues to you? Like, you're not, we're not getting anything out of this. Or, you know, the fight that we took it, that we took to them failed. Not only did it fail, they punished us for failing. Like, what did we really pay you for if we didn't, anyways... All that drama aside, I had an understanding of, like, politics that was essentially pure. And then in 2016, the fucking, the ride, the rise, everyone, the hopefulness really got to me. And I I got hope-pilled. And I was like, yeah, we're going to do it. And I fucking went out and I was, you can even listen early on the pod. I'm like, yeah, go out there and vote. Like, some kind of fucking idiot, right? (laughs) Like, right? I'm out there, like, at... Yeah, they, they got, got me. me too, man. They got me. That's a huge, yeah, it's a huge L that I'll never live down that L. <laughs> Anyways, so I've registered to vote, and then I had jury duty like the next year, and oh, they really got you. Yeah, they really got me. So because it's the first time I've ever had to go report, so I reported for jury duty, and um, they were like, they were like, they're asking questions, and they were just like, uh, you know, like, oh, do you have any prejudices? Or and I was like, yes, <laughs> and they were like. Uh, what are they? Yeah, they're like, do you mind like letting us know? And I was like, um, 
I will convict anyone who's European or of European descent. <laughs> and they were like, that's enough. That's enough. Okay, you can <laughs> you can go home. And I was like, you're damn fucking right. I can. If you're, if you're European, your ass is guilty. <laughs> Doesn't matter what it was. Yeah. <laughs> I don't give a fuck how good your alibi is. You were guilty, right? Yeah. <laughs> It's so, so yeah, they, <laughs> did you suffer any repercussions for for busting that out uh, in, the, in the court? Or I mean, did they be like, oh, well, by I, the way, I, we're I did get it in a very respect, I did it in a very respectful way. I just said they said like, do you have any like biases or? And I did. I said I have. I yes, I am very. I said I have. I do hold prejudices. Uh, I do have biases. Um, I do have like problems with people from Europe. Like I am not. I'm not. I cannot. <laughs> that makes it even better. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, I'm like, I cannot and, and be like, I cannot be fair or, or to, with anyone with your of European descent. And I'm like, and I apologize, but that is, that's that is, I'm being, I'm being honest. And they were just like, well, we appreciate your honesty. And then they just sent me home. So I think the way that I said it, really does, like, really did go fucking far and above. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think the the way that I handled it is a little bit more. Nuance. I didn't just be like, "Hey, if you're European, get the fuck out." 1776, baby. Right? Like yeah. <laughs> right? I didn't do that. I, I could have, but I didn't. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was my fucking. That's my jury duty story. But I think it was for like a, it was for a robbery mm. or something like that. But like not a not a big one. But yeah. Yeah. I, don't know, man. I have no idea what they're gonna get me for, but I've only been living in this. I'm state for like in texas for like a couple of years and i registered to vote you know i was like well i'm here better you know do i'm do my part to turn texas blue or whatever you know i'm just like, oh, mm-hmm. gonna mm-hmm. gonna vote for beto for governor and all this you know, he's come, <laughs> take your guns you know and all this yeah. but I, uh and then they got me like i've only been here for two years man it's like you gotta give somebody <laughs> a chance to I guess I'm using the service. I'm like, I'm going to the community college and stuff. I got to, t- I'm take. it's so funny cause I'm in the community college and I'm like so close to graduating. Like I'd probably be done with the associate degree in December. And I got like uh, you have to take a Texas government class or something. So you have to like learn about local government. Like, cause the t- state of Texas wants you to know these things. If you're going to like get a degree in Texas. And so I'll be taking a Texas government class or Texas law class or something while I'm in jury duty in Texas. It's too much, but uh, I'm going to go do it. And they don't even like give you free parking or anything. They're like, if you need a bus pass, then, you know, email us. And, but it does say that if you get a, if you get like a, like a meter expired thing or something, like while you're parked downtown, like you can email them the ticket and they'll, and they'll just be like, we'll get rid of that ticket for you. So that's, that's pretty nice. Yeah. Uh, What is it? You, I'm, I'm laughing at the idea of like a Texas law book because like the chapter on cattle rustling is like seven, it's like seventy pages thick. Right? Yeah, <laughs> it's gonna the whole like three know. opening chapters are just gonna all be yes. cattle law and ranch, yeah, ranch cattle, law and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> cattle rustling and it's like wrestling sheep and yeah. wrangle, wrangling steer. I'll let you know. You'll I'll have to come back and tell you how it goes. How it's much I know about like, cattle law. It's a list of knots. It's a list of like acceptable knots to tie <laughs> for lassos. <laughs> yeah. it's, oh my god! This is the like trigonometry of like the rope length to get the perfect. <laughs> like that's what that's what the that's what Texas law is all about. <laughs> Jesus Christ! 
Oh my god. <clears throat> no, California is a shithole, and I'm actually extremely happy that I don't... That I live in an area where it's extremely difficult for me to, like, own and afford a gun. Because, I like, I unironically am in a shadow war with my municipal government. And it would fucking absolutely... I would lose my fucking mind if, like, the city of Sunnyville made me learn, like, in order to graduate anything, made me learn about, like, the law out here. Because I would, I would, I already got beef. I already have beef. I have beef with, with our mayor. I had beef with the mayor prior. I've had beef with the mayor since, I've had beef with the last four mayors. Purely just because they're mayors. <laughs> just, I've just found reasons to hate them, right? Just every and, um, mayor, no matter... Just to come no matter who it's the entire yeah like it and like threatening letters for me comes like just i like i send them nonstop, right <laughs> like i just i send them all the time when i just feel like i'm mad angry about something i'll write about like pavement that's been fucked up on like olive which is like a street four blocks away and like oh yeah this fucking sidewalk's been fucked up since like you know 1994. I know I tripped over it when I was fucking six years old. This is your fault. What the fuck are you doing, you fucking clown? Right? Like, <laughs> like get off your fucking ass and pay. Like, pave this shit. You got millions to you know subsidize Google's bullshit, but you can't fucking give me a little. You can't hook it up with a sidewalk. Are you fucking kidding me? You know what yeah. I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm a municipal nerd like that. It's fucked up. But, but if I lived in Texas, I just would have, I just would have bought guns at this point and done something about it. <laughs> they make it real easy. Which is what, yeah. yeah, that's what I'm saying. I could have strolled into a Walmart, bought like seven or eight guns, and just <laughs> walked to my mayor and was like, "I'm the mayor now, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> I'm the mayor now, right? This, look at me. Everything's getting, yeah, look at me. <laughs> Not only am I the mayor, everything's getting paved, <laughs> right? Like, we're repaving everything. It's right? gonna be the, the most, <laughs> yeah." compliant sidewalks yeah, yeah. You've, you've never seen a more fucking ada compliance yeah. in your life dog <laughs> <laughs> oh my god jesus <laughs> i love that i just casually threatened the threatened the just shit. get on your publicly <laughs> broadcasted uh <laughs> podcast video or I mean, your radio <laughs> your internet radio show and threaten publicly elected government officials yeah. <laughs> government officials mayor larry klein i'm coming for you <laughs> But not in a figurative way. Not in a, yeah, in a, yeah, absolutely. Right. Completely literal. Completely literal. Oh my God. As a, as a bit, as a little joke between friends. Yeah, no, that's. It's just a joke. Oh my God. It's just a joke. Yeah. It's just a bit, guys. It's a bit. Stalking. I don't, I don't, I don't. Yeah, I don't care that your kids go to St. Cyprian. That's, that's <laughs> Jesus. This is dangerous. Back away from the pod. And hand oh over. Oh, my God. Yeah. Hand and over your any... voter registration card. Yeah. Oh, my God. No, I don't, I don't know, man. My, my take is that, like, we are so deeply frustrated as a society against the powers that be, right? The right knows that. And so they're like pointing like they're not the guys in charge. And for the most part, everyone is believing that, which is making me feel crazy, right? Like they're like, well, it's not us, it's the Democrats. And they're not wrong, but they're not right, right? Like they're not, the people who are in charge is the money, right? The money's in charge. Everyone knows that on a deep enough level 
But ideology fucks all that up, and they can't really, like, see the shit for what it is. And so, there is a catharsis to, like, even ritualistically. Like, not not even necessarily, like, you know, actually doing anything illegal or mean or fucked up. But just ritualistically, when you walk by the mayor's office, flip it off. Oh, that yeah. shit feels good. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like a ritualized violence. Yeah. Yeah, right. Write like a big manifesto about how much you fucking hate the sidewalks in your neighborhood and then go drop off drop it off at your mayor's office. Like what are they what are they going to do? They can't do anything about it. Like you don't even have to sign your name to it. Just you don't got to let them know anything about you. You can just go up there middle of the night, drop it off, leave it on the front steps, right? Even if no one even if they throw it away and step over it, no one reads. It. Who cares? It feels good. It feels nice. It's like fuck it, right? That's the crank. It's the I'm like the Ted. I'm like nice Ted Kaczynski. I'm not trying to kill anyone. I'm just trying to. You know, I'm, I'm nice like to... Ted Kaczynski. <laughs> oh my god. Oh man, what's Ted Kaczynski bars? Unabomber bars. <laughs> the rap Unabars. Unabomber. I'm the rap game Unabomber. Yeah, rap game Unabomber. <laughs> what what did I have the cat? I'm the rap game Cat Dennings is what yeah, I said. And I, I, I was like, I had to look up Cat Dennings. I was like, wait a second. This is, she was like the Darcy chick from Thor yeah, or something. From, like, she's two she's on WandaVision. She's the, oh, is she really? Yeah, she's I on no WandaVision. Idea. She's pretty big on WandaVision. The, That's where I know her from. But I was like, what does that name? mean? You were like, you're going to have to tell me what this means. And I was like, <laughs> someone else help me out here. Tag, tag yeah. in someone to make Marcos make sense now. Make it make sense, please. I, I do that all the time where I say something and then immediately I'm like, oh, what did I mean by this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, no, that, you stumble on some interesting stuff there um, <laughs> that way sometimes. Like the whole, you were saying uh, when you started talking about the xeno-anarchism. That was oh, like yeah. That. You were no. like, I've had this phrase rattling around in my brain for a while and I don't. I don't even know what it means, you know, but I've, <laughs> since I said it out loud, it's like I have to make it mean something now, you know. It's like xeno-anarchism, started- what is that? What is that? I started I started a little tidbit on the principles of Xeno Anarchy and I think I'll just um I'll I'll read the first like little bit of it. But it's the start is what the fuck is Xeno Anarchy? And I I know what you're thinking. You're just making shit up. And the shorter answer is yes. In fact, every philosopher that ever lived is doing the same exact thing. <laughs> I'm not a trained logician who can offer a sound and logical worldview. I am a denizen and subject of the chaotic systems of everyday existence. I am trained in nothing more than the basics of communication, humor, and the appreciation of the arts and poetics. As such, it's difficult for me to imagine a vision of order that doesn't stink of the trappings that all fascist thought flow through, from which the accumulation and con- which is the accumulation and concentration of power. In the old occidental tradition of philosophy and government, power is derived via some external source or will that only a soul few are born to. Plato's Republic called for an educated philosopher king to channel power, to seek and strive towards a Calipolis or a beautiful city. However, I believe that power isn't external, it's internal. Right, so like that's that's what I'm I'm trying to get at. See the concept, I guess like if I had to guess what the concept of Xenoanarchy is about, it's about internally resisting the external forces of the trappings of power the idea that like you have to in order for you to become powerful you have to channel it and use it and mold it when like if you look at like what really is powerful like the 
the things that are cons- consistently powerful in the universe is essentially things that can that are resistant to power things that are resistant to change things that are just steady and they hold steady and they don't react and they just kind of stay the same and they just kind of go with the flow there's a, the the natural order of things and i don't mean like natural order like the way not like the eco nazis talk about natural order where like man woman chaos divinity but shut up dude shut shut up you don't know what the fuck you're talking about right you're you're doing xeno anarchy backwards and scaring the hose right <laughs> like the the key is to be able to i guess like use your own power to resist the trappings of power right to like not feel compelled to, like it's okay to compete and it's okay to be competitive and it's okay to be like assertive and set boundaries and do all of the things that people think are considered power but there's a kinder and gentler way to do them and resistance of that is like so far from the center of what people think power is that it's inhuman right they think that like humanity is constantly reacting to power struggles which is true right throughout history humanity is constantly either in flux either reacting to newly invented or invested powers and the powers that be or tearing down actively the powers the powers that be to get away from that power struggle is to become inhuman it's to become xeno to become like some exterior force but i'm like this is me getting too deep right like this is it's 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 too much to think about in one sitting so i have to like you know tell a dick joke before I can get too deep into the shit. <laughs> so a Xeno anarchist and a priest walk into a bar. Yes. A <laughs> says, make me a dick with everything. <laughs> make me an everything bagel. Yeah, make a, me an everything bagel. With, dick with a dick. Dick <laughs> joke in there somehow. Uh, what is it? I like my women like I like my coffee. With a fat cock in it. <laughs> That's a... <laughs> That's that's my favorite. That's pretty bit, good, I think. Yeah. Oh man, no, it's. I don't know what what got you into listening to the podcast in the first place. Well, um, I cause so I got invited into some mutual group chat, uh, and I just started. Um, you know, I saw you around, saw you talking about the stuff. Uh, appreciated your approach to. You know these kind of, like ideas and and philosophies and stuff. How you just like you're playing with ideas. You're not really necessarily taking it too seriously, but also, you know, you're uh, you you do take it seriously enough to be able to you know know enough about it to to make use of it. And I thought, well, that's cool. You know, I have to check that out. And also, it's like everybody. <laughs> I'm in this group chat where like everybody has a podcast. I'm just like, what the fuck's going on? Like, I'm like, I'm gonna subscribe to all these guys' podcasts because it's sort of like the extended group chat universe that I'm in now. So I'm I'm just kind of catching up on the backstory mm-hmm. of everybody. And uh, mm-hmm. I don't know what it was too, because you, I don't know if you were talking to you you were talking to somebody. Or you were on some of their other podcasts too. I don't even I haven't listened to all those ones, but you were on like uh, the Intergalactic Railroad one. I yes. don't think I've listened to that yet. And uh, yeah, we you were you were on one I've been with on the twice. Homo Vulgaris show too. Or whatever, yeah, right? 
It's me and Shogs go back. In fact, our last episode is is me and Shogs like a oh yeah a new uh, Homo Vulgaris episode, but it's the ancient show. We're sister, like we're all sister podcasts, like sister brother podcasts, like we're all together in the same milieu. I actually don't know how Mike and Max from the uh, uh, Intergalactic Railroad first heard of me, but I think that they were the first to hear like hear of me. And then from there, Homo Vulgaris got on board. And Shog, I met Shogs. And now Shogs is like, me and Shogs are like this. And like, you know, it's it's been a crazy ride. Like, it's been crazy because I remember I was doing the podcast, man, and we were like 65 episodes deep before we actually started getting anyone to listen to the podcast. <laughs> it's dedication. Which, yeah, well, I think like for me, it's... Like, after, like, episode 30, it stops being... It really does stop being about, like, the premise of, like, yeah, let's just talk about politics, whatever, blah, and starts being about, like, I am deeply aching and sick and trying to figure out my place in the universe, <laughs> and this podcast helps me talk with my homies to find my way. And, <laughs> right, and I think that that's literally kind of, like, the evolution of the pod and how it is continuing, because, like... The podcast isn't really about anything anymore. It's about me and my friends and our daily struggles and the shit that we go through and just kind of like extrapolating larger bits and jokes. I think that's what drew me into your is the way that you uh, so you started developing or I just hear you espousing or I hear you as I'm reading these things online, you know, I'm hearing you with my eyes through this (laughs) glowing screen, Um, but I hear you espousing your your own like you have your ideology and you're talking about the homeism and there's like this whole mythology this mythos that you're building around around yourself with these ideas and uh there's just something like like one it's like kind of like hilariously audacious you know for someone to just be like and this is my ideology and like this is what I'm, this is <laughs> this ideology will last for millennia and we will join each other and last you know in the eternal garden together of the homies and all this and I'm, and i just like that really appeals to me because I've, well, I think like in the past I've definitely, uh, I've had like, I used to really get into like having these sort of manic delusions of grandeur, you know, and and I would always be like, hanging out with, you know, friends of mine who say, go on a power trip with me, you know, like, <laughs> and it's just there's something so fun about that, like when someone's like really manic and they have so much energy and it's you just get pulled into it and drawn and drawn to it and pulled along with it sometimes, you know, and there's something about uh, seeing that in somebody else and recognizing that, I was just like, that is, that's something that I can I identify with, you know? So, and I always had this kind of notion of like, um, you know, kind of being like the cult of cult leaders, you know? It's like, you're not in, you wouldn't be in a cult with, you wouldn't be a member of somebody else's cult. Like that was like beneath you or something, right? You're like, I'm gonna start my own cult, you know? But then it's like, you still want to be homies with people who are your equals, you know? It's like, you don't, you don't really <laughs> yeah. want a cult either. Like you don't want sycophants, like you're saying, you know? So yeah. Yeah. the idea of like having, like everybody's got their own whole weird ideology that they're promoting and, you know, but they're mm-hmm. like, there's a compatible like layer to it all, you know, there's, it's, mm-hmm. we can, we can find common ground and like, you know, take those those ideas and have a common framework of just being like well that you know your you know well my ideology is i hate you know feeling terrible and i like i like getting off you know what i mean and it's like well that's yeah, a lot like less a lot like what i think you know it's like, <laughs> yeah yeah same same dude oh you like to bust so do i dude let's get let's get together man so it's uh 
I get where you're coming from. I think one of the more interesting things about kind of like what I found, because I think that is a valid criticism that a lot of people like level on me. They're like, Marcos, your ideology is essentially a cult. And I said, yeah, I get that. But most cults want you to like move away from your family and give them all your money and do all this stuff. And I think the things that really that really kind of fucks people up when they talk about that kind of stuff around me is that I don't want your money. I don't want anything from you. I literally, I don't even, your participation is inevitable the way that I see it, right? Like you, because all that I'm asking of anyone is can you stop centering yourself and start looking at other people, right? And that's it. If you can do that, then you're already a homie. And literally, like as the social ape of humanity that we are, right? Like, yeah, we, we, we yes, we're all homies. It doesn't matter right now that changes and I think it changes for the worst in a lot of people where like the ideology of nationalism or just like, you know, uh, identitarianism where they start seeing themselves as a type of guy, right? Like this type of guy arms race and they see themselves as this person or they feel that they could be this person and right now as they are, they can't be this person. They're not enough of this type of person. They haven't bought the right signifiers or they haven't they don't look the right way or they don't act the right way or they're not around enough of the right like-minded people that kind of shit that kind of identitarianism is really fucking crushing the very basic human instinct of just kind of like yo what's up me and you are the same you know what i'm saying like and i think being able to when i when i like identified that or one of the main reasons why i identified that is because i work in marketing in marketing, everyone is a cohort. Everyone is a demographic. Everyone is a type of guy, right? There's no real humanity there. And if you look at, like, the semiotics of, like, you know, branding and advertisement and how it works and, like, even just the placement of buttons and things, you start seeing, like, Skinner boxes everywhere that you go. Mm -hmm. You start seeing, like, the little... You start connecting the dots and start realizing how financialized and how fucking, like click me is right like everything the entire world is like your aesthetic even the things that you start to enjoy and like becomes a culture that you were sold and even the opposite of that if you got away from it and said well i'm going to do the exact opposite of, of what i'm doing now that is also another culture that has been marketed and sold to you so you can't escape it yeah, everything gets so, so uh, recapitulated so quickly, you know, recuperated. Like if as soon as as soon as there is a, a gesture of resistance or opposition to some existing form, then it can be commodified as quickly as it appears. Yeah. So you can't commodify. And this goes back to like my my or my villain origin story for like the San Jose uh, fucking art spaces that I used to paint out of and why they've got kicked out of all those little like little mini art spots was because I didn't mind that they charged me rent to host my my work. I pay that rent and I paid it on time. What I did mind was they were also taking a percentage of my work when it was sold because I'm already paying rent. What the fuck you need a percentage for? And why do you need such a high one? It was like 50 to 60% of what I whatever I was sold. So they used to tell us, you know, hey, if you're going to sell something for 200 bucks, we would sell it for like maybe 500 right just so you can get a profit so you can get your 200 right so like 
I, I felt I felt like that was wrong. I felt like, you know, fuck it. That's fucked up. If people want my art, they should have it. And so I started, <laughs> the way that I started getting down was I would pay my rent, pay, pay everything. And then the moment something was sold, they would ask me, what's the price? And I would say, it's free. You can have it. It's free. And then they go to the curator and say, hey, this guy said it was free. He's the artist. And they go, no, 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 no. it's not free. You owe us money. And I was like, yeah, no, 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 you, they owe you a commission, and yeah. the commission is zero. Right? You can 50% pull that commission out of, yeah, you could take 70% of your, 70 to 60% of your fucking, of, out of zero. You could take that. You can have that. Yeah. That's for you, big dog, right? <laughs> In fact, you know what? I'll give you 80% of zero. You could, <laughs> you could take, how about that? My half of the and, zero is underneath your half of the zero. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, they fucking got really mad at me, kicked me out of those spaces, but the, I, I realized how radical, like, what I was doing was. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I they their reaction to it was like, I can't make any fucking money off this motherfucker. Get him the fuck out of here. I don't want anything to do with him anymore. And I realized when they, shut the, when they slammed those doors in my face, when they cut that a- avenue off of me, I realized I had something. I realized, like, if you got game, if you have something that is legitimately helpful or something that is legitimately good, or like worthwhile it's free you give it away for free you don't charge anyone for it you let them have it right which is why like the podcast is donation only like anyone who gives me money on the patreon all that shit just ends up going to like ivy and whoever else wants it or needs it but like the the goal like the long-term goal all this shit is literally just to like have a bunch of free shit that you know my cut is nothing right now i'm giving away things for free and i'm able to build some kind of something for my homies to live in to sleep in to fucking have a good time with right like that's because i think like even the manifesto i've had people approach me saying like hey i want to print out your manifesto and i want to like sell it at my tattoo shop and blah blah blah. and i told them hey how about this you don't buy the rights for me you just go out there you print it and you sell it for whatever the fuck you want you want to slap your name on it too you do whatever you want <laughs> like i don't care it's it's i wrote it you you couldn't write a second one if you wanted to but if you want to write right. a second one go for it right like fucking you want to be the homie part two then do it dude this, this no one there's no ownership in here and i think that that kind of like radical approach to like free to like giving shit away for free does two things one it scares the hoes that are business hoes Right. The hose that be. It scares the hose yeah, that hose, be. It, it scares the hose that be. It does. It really does. They don't. If any time that like I get some any kind of serious talks with anyone, even like my own company, right? Like that I work for, uh, they were like, "Oh, you have a podcast. We'd love to do a partnership with you." And I was like, uh, "If you put if you put the money here, this is where I want you to send the money because I don't want it to. I don't want you to give me money for it." And they were like, that's crazy, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, look, I get it. Look, I get it. But you would have to donate in my honor because I don't want to fucking, I don't actually want your money. Because if I, if you pay me, you're going to start asking me for things. Right. And I don't want that. Right. <laughs> like, I don't want, I don't want you to start asking me for shit and expecting me to give it to you. It's free. This is all free. You don't own me. Right. Like, you don't. And I think that that's something that most people don't understand about, like, the way that I think about things. Right. Like, I would love to subsist purely donation based if i could but i know i can't i know it's like it's too much of a burden to the homies you know my my aspiration is to be a, a warlord but like a really nice one 
You know what I mean? I see you as having warlord potential in the Chobani commercial <laughs> Green New Deal post-apocalypse. <laughs> just just walking around, just like, just buff as shit. Just, <laughs> just <laughs> oh my god. Just making flower crowns and being like, you are in my army now. <laughs> Who are we fighting? White women. <laughs> We go to boom. We go to boot barn by night. <laughs> we storm anthropology tomorrow. <laughs> Whole Foods will fall. <laughs> oh my God, Jesus! Forever Twenty One will be ours. <laughs> oh man, I can dig it. I tell you my. You tell. I ever tell you my. Uh, my favorite thing about my in my in my many. In my hatred of white women, uh, something that I've learned about the enemy <laughs> is uh, white men get real mad uh, at me. Or, like, yeah, it's usually, like, gay white men uh, that have this issue with me. Uh, they're like, you just hate women, which is why you hate white women. And I'm, I always have to explain to them, like, no, 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 no. Um, it's the white part I got beef with, not the women part. I actually like, I actually really like the women, but it's probably like the only thing I like about them. Uh, <laughs> uh, the hard part, right, is that like, they're like, you know, white men are also like racist and bad too. Why aren't you hard on them either? And then my thought process behind that is um, they're also women. To be <laughs> To be a white man who is racist homophobic uh misogynistic uh just a shitty homie right like not a good guy to be a white man that does that you're actually a white woman right (laughs) that is white woman personality traits right and you are essentially becoming a white woman and that's fine like you know you want to be the enemy that's on you that's (laughs) and what i found out is that that is actually far more impactful and hurtful to to white guys <laughs> calling them white women is i think that's me if you're hearing sirens it's definitely me <laughs> uh yeah i live i live in a nice area but it's also like adjacent to a to a not nice area and so it is what it is but um yeah so turns out white white men don't like being called white women in fact they probably hate it worse than <laughs> i guess that's a good way to uh Take him down, take him down a peg. It, yeah, yeah, no, vi- it's vibe judo. I think is what uh, Charlie called it. I'm, I'm cap like that's my my superpower is vibe judo, right? I'm able to read the vibes, get the vibes, and then fucking flip them upside down, <laughs> right? And make them make them good or bad, however I feel like. And, oh man, let's see. Oh. Oh, I feel like if the whole pot. By the way, we're at an hour, so if you want to keep going, we can keep going. But if you want to call it, we can call it. But I'm having fun talking, man. So it's up to you. I could go a, l- a little bit longer, I guess. I don't. I have yeah, no well, preconceived notion or agenda about the comedy podcast format, or I don't no, feel particularly funny or anything either. So I just <laughs> came on to ask you questions about your own podcast. <laughs> That rocks. Honestly, I can do this shit. I love this. Is like an NPR. This is like a reverse NPR. <laughs> you have a very soothing voice. This I'm is working your, 
I did. I did clip into the. I, I said something loud about you know half an hour ago, and and it, and it clipped. So Ivy's gonna have to edit that down to put the put the I'm, limiter on it. I'm doing the editing right now because oh, wow. I, Ivy's recently moved, so I've been doing all the editing, and the difference in style is palpable right like you because ivy cares about the way things work you know what i'm saying the way stuff sounds and i'm just like fuck it as long as no one said any slurs it'll it goes <laughs> it is what it is that's how we're doing it it sounds good yeah. that's a way you can create a lot of content at least you know i uh, i wanted to do a podcast once and i i got into a whole like mentality about i was going to talk about all this stuff and i had like i was like okay i wrote this I was going to do this whole thing about futurism because I was, so this is like in a, in a previous incarnation of my identity, I, I was really focused on being like a, like a contrarian futurist. Cause I felt like so much of uh future oriented, you know, futuristic discourses on, you know, that are being promoted are very much aligned with this kind of, you know, techno capitalist singularity kind of, uh, tech you know tech bro kind of thing and i was like where's where's the like you know alternate kind of currents in this because i know there's people out there who are into sci-fi and into like kind of alternate visions of the future that aren't like some kind of uh you know the worst kind of features of capitalism hellscape kind of thing dystopia you know people there's people that don't want that too right so i was trying to kind of you know, I wanted to kind of that. That's what I really like about like being part of like online communities where people are putting out podcasts and stuff and and promoting their own weird ideologies and stuff. Because I was kind of like like years ago, I was I wanted to see more of that kind of thing, and then and I just couldn't really find other people to connect with as much. So I was trying to. So I tried to do like one like episode of like a thing where I and I wrote this like essay about. Like I spent a bunch of time researching life extension technology mm-hmm. and stuff and like cryonics and like all the weird threads of how people, rich people think they're going to live forever and stuff. And then I wrote this like, like 5,000 word essay about it or whatever, where I just kind of like go over all of the various characters that are in that scene or that were at the time in like 2014 or whatever. And then I, and then I invited a friend of mine to do like a Google Hangout with me and I got my little microphone and I like recorded like the call with him and, you know, and, and mm-hmm. I and I basically just ran through all the topics that I wrote. I had him, you know, read the essay that I wrote and then we just talked about all the stuff in it for like and, and it was like and it came out to like like three hours long or something. And I and then I kind of like mm-hmm. cut out a bunch of stuff and I was like trying to like sync like my copy of my, you know, like higher quality audio with like just the parts of him talking from the Google voice audio, which was all, mm-hmm. and I was trying to like cut myself out of the Google voice audio and overlap my nice copy of my audio at the same time for like every mm-hmm. single time that one of us talked over each other and stuff. I was like doing little crossfades and stuff. It took me like a week and a half to like edit like one episode together. And I was just like, this is way too much work, you know, like, I was, and just the whole idea that I was going to like talk about something like that I researched beforehand and like had a good idea, had a, had a clear thought of what I was going to say beforehand was like daunting to me like the next thing I was like okay next I want to talk about like the future of artificial intelligence or something you know so I started writing and <laughs> looking into this and trying to research that and, and I was like there's just so much there like you could do like a million episodes about about this very one topic and you know I started writing all this stuff and I was like this is I thought I could turn one of these out like once a month or something and I was like this is going to take mm-hmm. me like so long to get anywhere 
And then I end up with this like really long thing that's like only marginally interesting for some people, you know. And the stuff that I like to listen to is just like a few guys sitting around talking about some bullshit for for like for a couple <laughs> hours, you know, and it's very casual and there's not really any agenda or anything. And I'm just or maybe there is kind of a little agenda where they're like, um, this kind of this is what's going on in the tech news today or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. But other than that, it's all uh, it's just so much more casual, you know. So I never really went any further with it. It's one of those it's one of those I have like this whole, you know, string of half finished projects that never really went anywhere. And uh, so I admire, I admire you for being able to just keep cranking it out and, and even seeing the, <laughs> the production value uh, going, going uh, not, Bet not down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, the key, the key, man, I was going to tell you the real key. This is probably what you don't know. This is the secret. I don't know. Sauce a lot. I don't know a lot. Well, this, this is a secret sauce to every artist and like person cranking out fucking shit at the rate that I do. Uh, I'm an extreme narcissist. <laughs> like, like huge. I love to hear myself talk. I listen to my own podcast all the goddamn time. I listen to my own music. In fact, I'm my own favorite fucking musician. That's great. There's a Saul William, there's a Saul Williams line where he's like, can't wait to play myself at the party tonight. <laughs> yeah, it's legitimately like, I am my own, I hate myself, I hate, I hate everything about me, but I love, I love the fuck out of me at the same time, it's both at the same time, uh, I, I think the difference between me and a regular narcissist, like, because I'm the best narcissist that ever was, (laughs) no, I think, uh, the difference between, like, the main difference is that, one, I'm very well aware of that, and so I do my best to avoid those trappings of, like, negativity, but I don't think that there is a, there's like there's definitely a way to be a positive narcissist or at least like a narcissist for good right i think that goes back to like my fascination with like ethical machiavellianism right what i talked about before in the pot i read a lot of machiavelli i read a lot of fucking i read a lot of shit that's bad if i read a lot of bad ideology uh one because i'm really drawn to like i guess kind of like what kind of decisions where like how did a person end up here Right. Like I read a lot of Nietzsche growing up and I think a lot of people got out of Nietzsche the like will to power shit and the like the idea of that, you know, like, oh, the overman has no fucking uh, morality. But I honestly I think that's a way that's a wild misreading of his shit, because I think that the overman does have a morality, but the morality is progress. Right. The morality is like continued progress in the self. And not measuring the self by an external, like a big other. And I think that that kind of fucks people up because they're not ready to take on the responsibility of that you are, you have to do, you have to have agency for yourself. You have to be able to look at yourself in the mirror and say, I'm unhappy and it's my fault, right? I'm unhappy or I, I, there's a lot of shit that I could change to make my life better in a better way. And I'm not making those decisions to do that because then I'd have to keep making those decisions. And that's much harder. That's a much harder process. Right. And like, I understand that that situation is not universal. There's some people that are just born into situations where they can't find a way out. And those people need help. And that's where homies comes like gets involved. Right. Like that's everyone needs help. Not, not, there's not one single person. And I think like being able to recognize that people need help and you should help them while also recognizing sometimes you just can't help people that don't want help. 
that that both right like that kind of like threshold of both there's no room for that kind of thought in the black and white morality that like larger society has and like i don't know i i, I think that like <clears throat> there's a lot of like really good ideologies or at least ideologies that people think are bad or like you know philosophies that are bad that actually kind of have some good points that could be gleaned and used you know what i'm saying like i, I think we should there? not be afraid of uh you know un unseemly seeming ideas or something on you know uh i guess i i kind of you you should be willing to engage with with the dark kind of you know evil side of ideology i guess if you're well, you, you got to know what's out there too you know you, yeah, you can't it's it's not enough i i say it's not enough to do like defense against the dark arts like where you know about the stuff just so that you know how to avoid it I think you should know it so you know how to make it good, right? Like, you should know enough of it to adapt it, to, to use it for good. When you were talking about right. being a, a narcissist a for mark. good, I was thinking, uh, <laughs> like, you're like uh, like a de- like Dexter, but for narcissism instead of homicidal, <laughs> you know, psychopathy. <laughs> uh, I think my mom is, my mom is extremely mean and rude. Uh and she watches Love on the Spectrum, and she was watching it. She goes, "Man, all these dudes remind me of you, Marcos." And that's the meanest thing she's ever said because okay. all these dudes are like highly autistic. And I was like, "Mom, you fucking bitch! <laughs> <laughs> I'm a sociopath. <laughs> There's a huge difference. <laughs> Get it straight. Yeah, yeah. Come on, man. Right." <laughs> No, I, it's not that I don't. I'm not aware of your feelings. It's that I don't care about them, right? I have to be it's very different. aware of your feelings. Yeah, yeah. I'm extremely aware of them. I'm just indifferent to them. Right? Oh my god! Put the your disorders ever... to work for you. I yeah. Say. I use schiz. What is a my my recently downgraded schizophrenia, which is now considered hebephrenia. Uh, I think early on, before we met, my handle was the bitsophrenic homie. And my joke was that I had bitsophrenia, which is the only type of schizophrenia that makes you funny, right? Like my, the t- yeah, the type of schizophrenia I have just makes you really good at coming up with bits, and that's not a lie. Right? That's literally that's true. Uh, the kind of like disorganized thinking that I have makes me extremely good at coming up with a joke, right? Like like stupid jokes, like jokes that don't make any sense. Um, also, like my. Fact, the fact that I just don't care if I contradict myself is is also very funny to me because I think what is the it goes back to my original argument about like semantics where like the word gay um, <clears throat> fucking I use that word when I say the word gay if you hear derogatory if it feels when I say it it feels derogatory to you it means you're homophobic because because when i say gay i mean two men having sex that that's what that means that's the literal translation of of the word so any connotation or baggage that you have attached to that is solely on you <laughs> and when you say that to people they get very upset with you they get very angry because they're like oh no it's it's the way you're something like no man you are the problem you're the <laughs> you're the homophobe here not me I'm over here sucking guys off. You're gay. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's 
But that kind of approach to that approach to shit does really piss people off. They're not ready for that. Homophobia is so gay. Yeah, homophobia is mad gay. The gayest thing you can do is hate another man for being gay. <laughs> the what is my yeah? Jesus Christ! <laughs> you can say some very uh, hurtful things to someone without using any any prof- profanity or anything, you know. So it's all about yeah. how you how the language I've... is deployed, I guess. You can also, like, I have, I, I definitely have Jester's privilege because of the way that I look, right? I'm a short little tubby guy. I'm allowed to say insane shit to you. To anyone, really, right? And I think that, like, I think that that really kind of fucks people up. Because, I, you know what it is? Contextually, through text messages and stuff, you can't really get my gist. You don't understand me. But talking to me you know that I'm joking. You know that it's always love, right? Like, and I think that that kind of comes off more and more. I think one of the reasons why I really have the podcast is so that people can have a better understanding of, like, who I am, where I came from, the kind of man that I am, and see that when I make jokes, there's no malice or ugliness to them. You know what I mean? Especially because, like, man... I talk about it all the time, but when I was growing up, I was so hateful and angry and pissed off, and I did so much awful, I did so many awful things to so many really nice, kind people that didn't deserve it, and that shit haunts me more than, I think, like, anything else, and, like, that kind of, like, I think a lot of people take regret that they have, and they sit on it, and it festers, and it turns into, like, something ugly, and mean but for me it's not ugly it I've, I've i've tried to turn it into something beautiful i've had an opportunity to do something nice and kind and i still have more opportunities to do something nice and kind so i gotta be kind right but i think the context of like seeing that i wasn't ugly mean evil motherfucker <laughs> and like now i'm just a guy that's making you know gay jokes with his friends right that i think that that's important that's why we love you <laughs> well it's wild man because i always think that like at my in my lowest right at my lowest when i'm like feeling real bad and i'm and i i still get up and podcast i think that's when people like me the, <laughs> the best because i'm just psychotic i get on stage like how you doing like yeah i'm fucked up i'm uh i'm drinking big juice it's just like sludge and nut and <laughs> like what the fuck yeah man i slept in like six days <laughs> that's people love people love that kind of content and I think the reason why is because, one, it makes them feel like their life is a little bit better, but also because I think that, like, people love to see an underdog, right? <laughs> people love to see, by the next episode, I'm like, yeah, I'm back. I'm actually doing really good. You got <laughs> like, a lot going my, on my there. You got, the re- you got the Jerry Springer effect. You got the, the redemption arc. You got yeah. the whole man on a high wire act. Is he going to plummet to his doom? You know, it's a heroic feat. Uh there's a lot. There's a lot wrapped up in there for for people to latch onto. I think you do yeah, a lot yeah, with I'm... your with the TikToks and stuff too. How you share all these like, <laughs> just put, being able to put a face and a voice to it, and like having it as just be these little bits that are quickly accessible and like interfaced in with uh, your um, 
interlaced in with the tweets and stuff and everything it's like it gives it 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 adds that you know it fleshes you out more as a as a whole you know a three-dimensional character instead of just the uh the bit that's harder to get from text you know so so well done i i I honestly i think that's the key is that everyone thinks that everyone thinks that i'm a character online i'm just some type of character or some i'm not I'm toning it down. Right? Like, yeah, no, it's, you think all, about all these people have like gimmick accounts and stuff, but your gimmick yeah. is just that you're just this guy with like, yeah. you make funny faces and you, you know, you, you tell, tell dick jokes and yeah, you're my, just being my yourself. That, yeah. My gimmick is that I'm a psychopath on the internet <laughs> and that's it. And like, people are like, oh man, this, this guy fucking rocks. Uh, I was on a podcast called the all chat podcast. And the reason why I got invited because they thought I was a complete psycho because I posted a Twitter, I posted a photo on Twitter of me with my head shaved, but like really badly, like just big chunks of my hair missing. And I was like, fresh cut, right? <laughs> like fresh cut just dropped. What's good? Who wants me? Right? Like just completely. And I was like posing with the hair looking all stupid. And they expected me to be, they, they expected me to show up like and not be a fucking psychopath on their podcast. They, they thought that I was doing it. And then I was just being funny and it was a funny bit. And I was like, no, I rocked that hair for like three days. And they were just like, what the fuck, man? I'm like, yeah, I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> so like, you know, I, I get it. I literally, that's, I think it's hard for people to, to understand about me that I am a legitimate crazy person. Like, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to be more, I'm trying to use my psycho, like my psychopathy for like a fucking, you know, like a, for good for to make people laugh and have a good time right like that's <laughs> i'm glad you have an outlet because i would hate to yeah. see you without the outlet yeah if, no no if i i think like really like 2000 2009 2012 was like really dark time for me mostly just because i didn't have that kind of outlet you know what i mean i didn't have that creative i've always been creative i've always been able to like draw and paint and make music i've been making music since i've like since like 2009 and like I've nonstop been making like I've always been making things like you know I just make I fucking do very I'm not very good at it but I do carpentry right like I I've been growing garden I've been growing gardens for years I've been you know gardening doing fucking all kinds of stuff but I was extremely fucking like just a just a mess like a depressive mess before i got to do any of this like before i got into podcasting honestly like podcasting really did save my life podcasting has been the best outlet i've ever had uh because i can i can be a crazy person and still be a person and i think that that's something that most people like remove from from you because i have a long i have an hour to fill right or more sometimes um and you know like and when because I have to come up with an hour once a week, I have to be able to entertain people. That kind of pressure is good for me, right? That it's it it's helpful for my brain and how I work. And I don't know. It's just it's just nice. It's, it's nice good to, to commit person. yourself to a generative creative process that you can keep adding to over time. Uh, is how I've the only way I've ever the only way I've ever been able to, you know, create any amount of creative stuff is to just you know, develop some kind of practice like that, you know, and, and I'm really out of it. Uh, but I'm glad that I, I, you know, sending you the, uh, 
the Tim Cook freestyle got you, uh, you know, Dude, to, yeah, it was good to, to good, spark man. some, some, uh, you know, creative, um, whatever, uh, juice is going and stuff. But I, cause I don't know, I, I'm trying to get back into, you know, making stuff more. And I just started, I just opened up one of those, uh, Twitter newsletter things. I was like, I'm going to start. I don't actually want anybody to subscribe to my Twitter newsletter, but I just wanted to like have a place where I will actually have to write things. And, um, I don't expect people to like actually subscribe to it or read it or anything, but I'm just like, this is a thing and it exists and I will, you know, put something up there every week, even if it's just stupid and, and it's not really that interesting to anybody but myself, or it's not even really interesting to me, but at least I'm making myself, you know, go through the, the motions of, yeah. yeah, putting out something creative. And I guess like, you know, just posting is like, takes, there's some creativity like to posting for fun, you know, and making, making weird little jokes and stuff. And that's, that's kind of how I ended up getting sucked into the greater, uh, you know, shit posting cinematic podcast universe of you guys universe. and all, but I, <laughs> Honestly, I should post as a means to avoid work, right? Like, I ha- I have hours. I have shit posting hours. You can see, right? Like, I, from 9 a.m., P- like, PST to, like, 6 p.m. to 7 p.m., depending on how late I'm in the office, you'll see me shit posting. That's why I'm so prolific at it, because I'm, I'm constantly coming up. I'm trying to avoid work. And, like, one of the issues that I have with, like, because I've been shitposting for so long, I'm not good. I'm no longer good at sustaining long thoughts. So, like, writing, like, the Homie Manifesto and the, like, Zeno, Zeno Anarchy Manifesto that I've been working on. All this shit is very difficult for me because for a living, I write. I write all day. Uh, and mm. as I continue writing, it starts sounding like... Marketing copy. Sounding, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, all right, I can't. No, I gotta, I gotta do something with that. And if it doesn't sound like marketing copy, then it sounds like a Marcos, you know, shit post. Like, no, bro, you have to believe it's not my porn, bro. It's your porn. <laughs> I know I have receipts for it, but it's not mine, bro. Like, <laughs> right? It's yeah, it, yeah. It's it, I don't know how to explain the kind of style. Of writing well, style I'm I'm very drawn to the Xeno Anarchy uh, anar- project uh, as 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 an idea that it struck me as having a lot of uh, just like a, a good um, resonance to the very word itself, you know, that you could kind of project a lot into it. And so I'm curious to see where you go. I think it could be uh, perhaps worthwhile to include collaborative voices into it, you know, and, and making it something that's like uh I think I'm always like really interested in like those sort of um, I guess some of the great projects like, you know, are are they're like anonymous collectives or I mean, it doesn't have to be an anonymous collective, but like, you know, writing in a collective voice and and those kinds of things or like zine projects or something, you know, like that are very we um, they can be very, very freeing, you know, in a lot of ways. Yeah, we were working on we were working on a homie zine and then shit just kind of fell apart. Um, but hey, man, we're, you're. I'm more than happy to start like a Xeno Anarchy meme. Yeah. And like you're in the disc you're in the Discord now, so fucking help yourself. We have all these like little tabs and shit. If you ever have writing or art you want to drop into something, just fucking drop cool. it in and then we'll we'll do we'll work with it. I my problem is that like I'm way overextended between work, podcasting, shit posting, <laughs> TikTok, uh trying to like back like I'm trying to upload our backlog onto YouTube so we can just have 
everything all on one YouTube. Because um, it's right now, it's like spread out between six or seven different YouTubes, and that's my fault because I forget the logins for things and I don't know how to do oh, it. Starting over so, on a new YouTube again. Yeah, new YouTube. What's up? There's like, there's like seven. <laughs> there's like seven YouTubes, and they're all like, maybe the homie or kind of the homie or sometimes the homie right <laughs> like <laughs> but yeah man i forgot to do it's your boy over and over again like i was <laughs> i was supposed to get on here and say it's your boy at the end of every sentence that i said like i do like i've been doing online it's your boy i honestly i love this it's my new favorite bit i don't know where you came up with it but it fucking it's amazing right like I've been doing it now to my girlfriend, and she's driving. I'm driving her fucking crazy. Yeah. Because I'm like, hey, babe. I'm like, hey, babe. Um, what do you think? You want like pizza for tonight, like for dinner or something? It's your boy. And she's like, <laughs> what? What did you just say? Like nothing. I was just, you know, like me personally right now. I think like, you know, I'm. It's cheap. It's fast. Just get a little Caesars. It's your boy. And she's just like. What are you doing? That's how I started yeah. doing it too, like in my own home with my wife. And I'd just be like, I'd walk into the room and I'd be like, what's up, everybody? It's your boy. Hit like and subscribe. Remember to hit that bell. And then like every now and then I would just go, it's your boy. Like I just, it just like started developing the tick, you know? Do, and then. Um, do you know the the era Abrat guy on fucking TikTok? I don't think his so. His name was like, his name was like Fresh or something like that. He's like. What's up? It's your boy. Fresh. That like he does that every time a video, and his videos are like not longer than five or ten minutes. Like they're very short, but he does it like maybe twenty times every time he introduces himself. It it rocks. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. I just love the cadence of the of the streamer or whatever. It's like such a weird you know kind of personality, and it's like that you're. It's like people fitting themselves into these forms that they're, you know, that is the dictated by the logic of the medium that, that they're fitting themselves into, you know, and so you fall into these kinds of patterns and then it's just so funny yeah, to kind of like adopt that and then turn it on its head and, and put and put it back out into the world for no good reason, you know. So then one day I was just thinking, literally, I was just sitting in the group chat. And I was with, with, you know, in the DMs and I was sitting there going, maybe I'll just start saying it's your boy at the end of everything that I say online, you know, and I'm like, it's your boy. That's a good idea. It's your boy. It is, <laughs> it's fucking incredible. It, it's so good. It's literally it's. Yeah. Oh, my God. I love I love it. It's my favorite meme, I think. Yeah. My my newsletter is uh, the subtitle is going to it says notes toward an it's your boyism. So that'll be my new. <laughs> new ideology it says notes toward a it's your boyism do not subscribe it's your boy it's it's your boyism is like it's like identitarianism but for good you know what i'm saying like no i'm it's me i'm the boy yeah. i'm your boy <laughs> that dude that rocks i want to dude i want to write a little do a little piece on it's your boyism please do i'll i'll do we'll do like a we'll do like what do they call it when it's like the channel takeover or whatever when you can do the it's your boy channel takeover and i'll i'll try to come up with the xeno anarchy thing or something me and me and shogs are the are the deleuze and gutiari of fucking what is it of homieism i would love i want to also be like a deleuze and gutiari situation but for like it's your boyism Right, or Xeno Anarchy. Yeah, that though. I've just I like because I can't come up with shit on my own. Like I can write stuff out, but I always end up writing myself in a corner where I'm just like, and and you gotta just be like, 
whatever, fool. Like, <laughs> that's literally how every fucking, every single fucking thing I've ever written ends that way. So, <laughs> like, I can't, I can't sustain it. You know what I mean? I've, I I've help. messed around I mean, with some, you know, writing some, doing some, like, zine sort of, like, uh, shit posted worthy manifesto kind of writings and stuff with friends of mine. And, you know, a friend of mine really told me this, like, as a great sort of prompt for the whole project that we were going about it. Like, so we were reading all these like weird, like Deleuze and Guattari and, and, you know, reading all these weird uh, philosophy and all this stuff. And I'm just like, it's so audacious that the, this kind of writing style and it's like crazy to think how, um, you know, it's like, you're just like saying all this stuff and you don't even expect that people are going to be able to get it or anything, you know? And, mm. and so this friend of mine was saying, so let's let's do a, a writing project like that where it's like you're just like give yourself license to just you know say the the most wild kind of like way that you could describe something or or whatever you know and and that was like really freeing to just be a part of something like that instead of like having to come up with the whole thing on my own so mm-hmm. i'm interested so yeah. you know i i honestly think that one of the downfalls of modern philosophy is that motherfuckers think you have to be like some kind of logician Right, we have to be able to see through an entire worldview and have an A plus B equals C, you know, plus D equals. F. I, I like agree. They want you to fucking, and I think that that's a huge downfall because I think my favorite philosophers were closer to poets than they were philosophers. Like I love Nietzsche because he was poetic. Um, I fucking love uh, what is his name, uh, Botticelli. Even though he's technically not a philosopher, he's like an old, but he's he's po- very poetic in the way that he wrote. Uh, I like Will Self. Will Self is not even really a philosopher. He's an author, but the motherfucker has very floral prose, and I'm, like, a huge fucking... I enjoy that. Even Zizek. Zizek is fairly poetic in the way that he talks about things. I like his approach to comedy and jokes. Yeah, he's always got to work a dark joke in. Yeah, and it's not bad. Like, Like, I like that about his writing. I think that that's useful and good and more people should do it but i also think that like you shouldn't have to defend your work if someone if someone is like oh, preposterous where did you come up with this and you're like i made it up right I think, source i think that yeah source, i made it up just yeah source i felt like saying it right? <laughs> it, it just feels right <laughs> that's to me that's more impressive but i think so uh, much of like kind of human human life doesn't really fit neatly into the parameters of, you know, a logical argument, you know, like that it's really like limiting to try to just say, okay, well, we're only going to express the truths of, of our experience in the format of this reasoned, you know, logical argument that is, that has this coherence to it. Um, and trying to, cause you end up having to like play all these weird linguistic games to twist yourself into like these weird hypothetical thought experiments to try to, pin down what it is you really mean about about you know identity or or consciousness or free will or whatever the you know all the fucking intro to philosophy class stuff that i had to take in the last term and it's i'm just like you read all this i read all this like freshman philosophy stuff and like and it just ends up turning into this kind of just these like word games where you're just like asking these questions that you know i feel like they just don't really map onto like real messy human experience very well, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't. I, I think like it, approaching it. Don't be that way. It don't be that way, which is why I liked my, my interpretation of Hegel, which is shit. Don't be like it is till it do. That's 
all you need to know about Hegel. <laughs> oh, good. I don't have to That's, read any of yeah. that then. I'm, nope. I'm you're almost... done. You're done. All right. You're good. The, the entirety of Hegel's dialectic is literally just like, yo, hey, that shit's kind of wild. And then you say, no, it isn't. And you're like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> and there you go. You're done. You've done it. You've done. You've completed the Hegelian dialectic. Right? <laughs> Masterclass, Marco. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking, could you imagine me? Like, I... I hope that yes. when I die, I'm I'm a huge I'm a big enough influence. I know this is like this is delusional, and I talk about this in the last episode that I that I just had that there's a there's a level of delusional that just everyone has to kind of have in order to if you you have like you said it's there's an audacity to like just saying this is the way that I see the world. Yeah. Do Why should anyone give will. a shit about what I have yeah. to think in the first place? Like. Well, yeah. I don't know. Why bother getting out of bed in the morning, motherfucker? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a delusionality to it where, like, uh, me, the reason, half the reason why I want anyone to know why I think about the things that I think about is because I would hope that someone else builds upon my work. I would hope that someone says, hey, man, I read everything you said in your homie manifesto, and not only is that shit wrong, but here's why it is. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, cool, sick. Yeah. Good. I'm glad you did that. You know what I'm saying? Like that's what I want. I wanted that. I want you to tell me that this shit is bullshit and we got to do more. That's what I want, right? Like I think a lot of people want their works to be like shut away and be like this is now the way that we see the world, right? And everyone has to read this book and this is now the important. There's like this megalomaniacal impulse where the way that I see the world is right and correct. Whereas, like, I just want you to see my the way that I see the world so you can see the world better, right? Like, because cause I know that my view of it is fucked up, right? Like, yeah. If I have seen <sighs> further, it is because I have stood on the shoulders of okay, some homies. weird fucked up <laughs> Yeah, it's because I, I stood on the broad-ass shoulders of the <laughs> squat 5'5 five, five man. <laughs> oh, my God. Jesus. Um, no, my new bit now is telling people that I'm shorter than I am. Right. Wow, that so is so like, counter to the uh, <laughs> lying about your height. Yeah, no, I'm doing the opposite now. Yeah. Like I used to, when I was younger and much more self-conscious, when I remember going on dates, I would tell women, like, yeah, I'm 5'6", I'm 5'7". Fuck no, I'm 5'5". Five, five. I'm a perfect square of a man. I'm 5'5 five, five wide. I'm 5'5". Five, five. <laughs> like, I'm just a nice box i'm i'm five five thick right like i'm a perfect box of a man right there's there's no shame to that so my new favorite bit now is like especially like if i get like a ding on grinder or something like that or someone's trying to fucking talk to me and they're like how tall are you and i'm like uh i'm actually three seven right <laughs> <laughs> and it's like what, like, what? Like, yeah i'm yeah i'm three foot seven dude <laughs> is that i'm actually like four two the metric <laughs> system or what's going on <laughs> I'm like four two. <laughs> oh yeah, it's my new favorite. It's it's hilarious. It's legitimately hilarious, right? <laughs> I'll never meet up with these people, but even though, right? It's so funny. <laughs> you just say you're much shorter. Yeah, I'm two six. <laughs> like, what, you mean six two? No, this no, guy's two, dyslexic. Six. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> two foot six feet inches. That's how tall I am. <laughs> Oh my god. I'm smaller than most cats, right? <laughs> oh my god. Jesus. Yeah, I'm 26 and 300 pounds. <laughs> uh, 
nice, cool, light 300 pounds <laughs> at 2.6. Jesus Christ. Okay. Thanks All for right, having me on I... the show. Yeah, man. I'm sorry. Is there I, plug? I would have been funnier, but I just don't have it in me to be funny. I just can't. No, dude. To no, I'm actually you. so glad you come on. It's so nice to have, like, honestly, I want, I want, I've always wanted, it's always been my dream to be questioned by someone, right? <laughs> like, I'll try to come up my, with more questions and come back another time to yell at yeah, you. Yeah, the ultimate goal for me is to, like, eventually have Nardwar come on the show and just, like, so back in 2001. <laughs> He's got to, like, do the meticulous yeah, research yeah, on you to, yeah, like, listen to every yeah. episode of your podcast or something. Yeah, yeah. Back in 2001, you said, you claimed that you nutted on a Playboy. It was actually a Playgirl, and we have it right here. Like, what the fuck, man? How? <laughs> right, that's that's always, that's my goal now is to, ever since I've been made aware of who Nardwar is, that's all I want. So uh, yeah, you're, if you're my Nardwar man, that rocks, dude. I like. It. I like could. That. Yeah. I could only hope to be half a Nardwar. <laughs> I guess I'm not even half a Nardwar. It's, <laughs> it's your boy. It's your boy. All right, all right man. We uh, gotta yeah, come back again to... sometime so I can come back and just literally say it's your boy every other <laughs> sentence that I say. Yeah. Because I met, yeah. I really dropped the ball today, tonight. It's your boy. It's all good, man. It happens. But, you know. Right? Next time I'll be better prepared oh. for it's your boy. I can't wait to name it's the name of this. The name of this pod is gonna be uh, "All My Homies Are Your Boy." <laughs> like that's, that's, Love it. That's it's your boy. Yeah, that rocks. Yeah. All right. Uh, oh, yeah. Plug anything. Uh, I'm Robot Son. That's all you really need to know, yep. I guess. Uh, uh, you can follow robot him son, on like son of a robot. You can follow him on Twitter. Um, you can follow. Him don't on subscribe Twitter to my newsletter because uh, it's really boring. R O B O T S O N. Uh, man, man's is hilarious. Um, okay, all right. <laughs> I'm funnier online than in person, unlike some people around here. <laughs>